Welcome to Jays from Home. Uh, Matt Gower here. Steve is away. Um, spent a week on Manitoulin Island. I think he's driving back as I speak right now. Um, so welcome to the show. Uh, busy show today. We have a couple of guests lined up. We've got uh, Dow of Steve uh, first off, and then uh, I'll be joined later on by Scott Crawford from the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame to talk about uh, the latest inductees that were just announced this past week. Um, also, don't forget to follow us at Jays from Home. Uh, yeah, uh, let's get right into it. Here's uh, the talk with uh, Dow of Steve. Is it Tao or Dao of Steve? I, I, I read it as, as, as Tao because that's just what your Twitter handle kind of pops up as, as for me. But uh, you, you, you uh, settle the debate. I've always said Dao. Dao? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so. well, well, well then, then, then Dao it is. Yeah. Well, um, I, I don't know if that's, if that's uh, a, a little uh, fancy or, or if that's, you know, being a, a a little special or whatever but anyways that's I, i've always I, I and i think in the the movie that is the inspiration for the uh for the for the name that i assumed it's uh i think that they say dow in Do it right? so yeah i have not seen the movie but I, I know i know i know the one in which you speak of um now we were just talking a second ago about how the last time uh, that we met, and the only time we met in person uh, was when I saw you at Pitch Talks, which was you said six years ago. I I feel like yeah I, I think it'll be like because it was after the I want to say it was after the 2015 season because I mm-hmm. remember I made a joke, uh, which was that uh, um, Josh Donaldson is what uh, Brett Laurie always thought he was. <laughs> And uh, was sitting next to Richard Griffin at the time, and Griff gave me a little fist bump, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, after I uh, after that one, which, uh, you know, it, it was a, it was a fun night. I mean, beyond being on the panel, and it's kind of crazy to think about that uh, panel. Uh, now Wilner was on it, and Griff, and uh, and uh, Brendan Kennedy. And uh, Scotty Mack. Uh, Wasn't um, uh, 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 Sebastian Boucher was, was there too? I think. Yeah, they they had a they had a couple of different um, uh, yeah. So they had something um, I, I I think trying to promote the 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 Ottawa Champions and uh, Boucher was there, which uh, I am a bit of a jerk to admit that uh, I was at the bar um, uh, hanging out. I think with Graham Nichols uh, from. <laughs> six cents and kind of not listening uh attentively to that but miss the uh miss the the champions and miss having baseball here in ottawa for yeah sure. well, ho- hopefully that'll change uh this summer and it's nice to have like i was i was thinking about about pitch talks too because you know that's that's how how i remember you from from meeting you but um it's just it was nice to have that sort of event in the city that normally like when, when they had pitch talks, it was just a Toronto centric thing. And, and uh, I'm, I'm just being a baseball nerd. That was a, a really uh, uh, fun thing to go see. Um, but six years ago was also um, another, another uh, kind of milestone. Cause that, that was um, the uh, this past week was the anniversary of Jose Bautista's bat flip. So um, just curious, where were you, what were you doing when, when, when he, he flipped his bat? Uh, 
wow. Um, the funny thing is, is that I uh, had, uh, I had, uh, um, uh, I had an appointment with my therapist uh, that night at that mm-hmm. time, and was literally uh, in my car outside the therapist's office listening to the seventh inning. Uh, so the seventh inning went long enough that I saw like the first two-thirds of it at home and then I had to like leave in the middle of it and so I turned it on and then I'm like uh sitting in my car uh and uh, getting ready to go in um and uh and and parse through my miseries in the middle of that uh in, in the middle of that moment but did actually um hear hear Jerry's call and uh and then um fire it up on my phone right afterwards so hmm. it was uh, uh and and yeah definitely remember that uh that night of driving through Ottawa um to to get to my appointment and just the sort of one thing after another uh happening in that in that inning that led up to the the home run you know um, yeah that might have been. I think that that was the craziest inning in in, in Blue Jays history. <laughs> like that, I've never seen anything like that. I, I can't imagine. I I, I can't imagine a, a a crazier inning. And uh, yeah. So and I had been down. I went to Game One of that series, which uh, uh, which they lost. And but you know, it, it definitely that whole season was a real. Uh, it was a real eye opener, and it's it's interesting too because for for a while, you could go to a Jays game, and and it's funny because I booked tickets uh, for the weekend that the the Royals came in. Um, I was there too. Well, no, yeah. I mean, for, for for this year, I mean, but yeah, no, it was so it was. Um, uh, so yeah, it was the August long weekend in 2015, and oh. and I booked tickets um, for for me and uh, some extended uh, family to go. And you know, at that time when I booked the tickets, which would have only been a couple of weeks beforehand, I had plenty of choices of where to sit and was sort of picking a place where there was no one sitting around us because you know at that time you could go and you could say you know especially if you are not necessarily a uh, uh, a huggy people person as I tend not to be. I was trying to pick the place where there was the least amount of people close to me. And by the time that that series came and they had too low and they just, uh, they, they just acquired price. Um, it was, uh, it was, uh, 38,000, I think it was packed and it was such an amazing, uh, it was such an amazing change just in terms of how, um, the ballpark felt and, and it's, I think it really changed the narrative of of who the Blue Jays are and what what their place in the Toronto and the Canadian sports scene is. Yeah, I think that that season that season in particular uh, really um, kind of turned things around for the franchise. Like like you said, in, in the view of the fans, it kind of legitimized them and and. It, it, I think it also kind of coincided with the time that like it, like social media like Twitter was 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 just kind of reaching probably its one of its peaks at least around that time. So there, lots of people were talking about it in a way that people haven't talked about the Blue Jays before. Yeah, I, I think it, it it kind of was leading up to a point, and and it's certainly like I mean the thing that that you know for all of the awful toxicity that there is uh, around 
sports. And, you know, I think people have kind of noted that looking at this year's playoffs and trying to figure out, like, who can you put your your loyalties towards amongst this final four teams. But but the thing that's still really cool about it is that that sort of communal experience that people have and uh, and talking of toxicity. I mean, there's, you know, uh, social media is, you know, for all its awfulness, there are these moments where you can go and you can share that um, those those great moments together. And it's sort of I think it really uh, has an enhanced it, um, you know, beyond just you know, uh, I think having that moment on uh, social media um, uh, that you can share with, you know, uh, your closest friends or whatever it is that I'm at now, 22,000 followers and and whatever. I'm sure uh, of which about 20,000 are, are Russian bots, but at least, you know, the, the last handful are... Uh, are the the legit real ones so yeah for sure um you, have you been watching i assume you've been watching a lot of the playoffs so far this year um do you think that the red sox are for real or was tampa a little bit fraudulent what do you think i don't think that tampa was fraudulent i mean i think it's going to be there's going to be a lot of parsing of of what happened there and you know i mean back uh back in the early 2000s when you know billy bean said you know my my shit doesn't necessarily work in the playoffs and that's sort of the question as to you know do you build these teams that are made to to do well in 162 and then what can you do uh with them in the playoffs and i i think with the evolution that we're seeing of the way that especially pitching is managed uh, uh, you know it's I, I i wonder whether or not if if uh tampa got caught out and you know boston boston's a pretty flawed team but i mean that's the other thing i think that's important for jays fans to remember is that you know there are moments where people will look at a team and they'll kind of go like, well, you know, how are we supposed to go anywhere when we've got Bravik Valera on our roster? It's like, well, take a look at these teams that are now in the final four. And there's like lots of like strange flaws because you can't, this isn't, you know, MLB the show. You can't go and, you know, force trades and, and, and create super teams necessarily. Um, it's, it's not basketball. It's, it's, it's something where you're trying to make the most of your roster, but uh the but with the pitching i think it's really the the thing that i've been thinking about all year and has been the idea of how do you manage this pitching staff uh within the limitations of a 40 man roster um not not just the active roster but the 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 40 man especially because you know teams like the blue jays and definitely like tampa used uh, use their their extended roster as kind of a, a taxi squad. So you bring somebody, you know, you you have these games where, um, you know, you have a, a couple of guys pitch, you know, three or four innings, and then it's sort of one, one, one all the way through. Or maybe you have two and two, and then you're trying to piece those last uh, five innings together. And 
and I guess the thing that I was thinking about with with Tampa is like, you know, when you can't go to that taxi squad, when you've got to work with the the 27 man roster, I think 27 or 26 uh, in the playoffs, um, when you have to deal with that roster and you can't just the day after sort of uh, burning out your bullpen, go and find the guy in Durham who's going to come in and, and uh, sort of be the interchangeable part. So... So, you know, I mean, I, I, like Boston, uh, it, it pains me to say it a little bit, but I mean, there's still lots of, there's still a team that I thought from the outset of the season was still a pretty dangerous team, as bad as they played last year. Um, and, uh, and you know, they, I, I think they, they pieced it together. They had some extraordinary good luck in that uh, series and five game series, like shit, you know, the, the the Orioles in a five game series could beat the Dodgers, you know, just out of sheer flukiness. So yeah, yeah. So you know, I, 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 yeah. I think the Orioles were the were the difference in my opinion. I think like all the teams like Tampa Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays, they're all equal except for what the or, the the Tampa did against the uh, the Orioles. Like if you take away that that record, basically they, they're they're all uh, on on the, on the same level. Yeah, yeah. I it's interesting to to you know, I get the impression that American League East teams um or or I get the impression that Tampa uh their advanced scouting on American League League East teams is uh a step beyond what anybody else does. Um it, like that they go in with a game plan and i would love to 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 have some sort of sense of what that looks like you know but it, it really does feel like there are moments where you're watching the jays play the the rays and it's like you know they they know what we're doing before we do it i sorry i hate referring to the blue jays as we but and but yeah, yeah, you know yeah. but that they know what the jays are doing before they do it and uh and and so and I, I think that they probably take all of their opponents um, as seriously, and uh, and certainly one that they're going to face 19 times, like the uh, like the Orioles. So, uh, so they're they're, uh, and that's the sort of thing that a team like the Blue Jays should be able to make up the same sort of ground on. So it's just a matter of, you know, can they get the the information? Is it the right information? And how do you um, how do you execute on that? Yeah, for sure. Um, and do you think that uh, going back to the Red Sox, do you think like I get this feeling that they're gonna they they might actually have a chance to beat the Astros? Do you think they're they're gonna do it, or do you th- or is the are the Astros just too strong? Uh, um, you know, I, I mean, talking about flawed teams, uh, you know, the Astros, the Astros are really good, but I, you know, losing McCullers, uh losing Garcia last night I mean their pitching is starting to is starting to get really thin really quick and you know now uh now after the win last night um uh you know Boston just needs to string three more together um so you know, I mean, it's a, a series isn't over after the first uh, after the first uh, game, but I, I had the same feeling last night that after seeing Boston win that, um, that uh, that I think that uh, Houston is in trouble. Yeah, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Like whoever comes out of the the, the AL is going to 
be a very interesting team to co- to cover and to watch like how the storyline unfolds because you know like either way like I, I I think that the Dodgers are coming out of the NL um, but whoever they face it'll be a rematch in, in both both instances um, but uh, the the storyline will be interesting because Boston's got Kike Hernandez uh, you know facing his former team as well and and yeah the like I'd be happy like if if the Astros won like I, I in the AL, I wouldn't be rooting for them, but I'd be happy for for people like Dusty Baker, um, kind of the new the, the new faces on that team. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and I mean, I sort of with the Astros. I mean, I think I've always been someone who's had a soft spot for the people who uh, are kind of the villains in uh, <laughs> in in Major League Baseball. You know, I think I've always been. Uh, uh, a staunch supporter of Barry Bonds, although, you know, I mean, there's, I, I, I think I have more of a problem with the stuff that Barry Bonds did off the field as opposed to the stuff that he did on the field. Um, but, uh, you know, even in A-Rod, I had tons of sympathy for, for A-Rod uh, and, and I, for whatever reason, you know, I, I, don't harbor the same grudge against the Astros. I think that some other folks do. And I, you know, wouldn't uh, necessarily tag them all as um, as perpetual cheaters. Um, I think that they were a bunch of hyper-competitive guys who did some really shady stuff uh, uh, within that, uh, scope. And, and, but there's a bunch of players that, uh, as you say, they, they aren't those guys. Um, I probably get too sympathetic and I have to remind myself that there is, if you go back and you look through all of the games where there's a person who built sort of the database of the, the, of the, uh, the, the, the trash can banging. And there was a, there was a game against the Jays where they lit the Jays up and then they continued to utilize the, uh, the, the banging system. Uh, throughout the game, even after the Jays were way down. And so I have to like remind myself, like, you know, it's, it's not just a thing where they were trying to find an advantage. It was a thing where they were trying to, um, the, at times they were trying to really uh, uh, put the boots to their opponents and maybe even just sort of pad their own stats and, and yeah. which makes it seem a little less like, um, uh, 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 you know, a, 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 a little less acceptable, but you know. Mm-hmm. Having said all that, I mean, I, I, I think I tweeted last night. You know that uh, it's hard to find a rooting interest, but you know, at the very least, it's you know, from an intellectual point of view, it's been interesting and and good baseball to watch. So, um, so I guess that's what I'm sort of leaning on at this yeah. point. Yeah, for me, I'm I'm kind of leaning on the towards the Dodgers. I've I've, I've always liked them as a team. I was really disappointed in how they hand, handled the Trevor Bauer situation, and I just kind of kind of put my my interest and in fandom on on hold for for much of of the season for them. Um, and I, I I just can't like watching Atlanta play. Like I I can't condone the the chop and i i I tweeted this yesterday like i think that you know like the organization needs to be uh responsible for for trying trying to like get get fans to stop but broadcasters need to uh be part of that as well because you see them always like pan to the shots of the crowd when they're doing that and you know like it it, like as, as like like it might look 
impressive because all the fans are doing one one thing, but they're doing one offensive thing, and 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 they and they're amplifying that. Yeah, no, uh, and I think it's a really good point. Um, uh, uh, you could definitely tell in last night's game they were picking up the audio, they were panning to the crowd, and they were sort of reinforcing um the you know the quote unquote tradition and so i i thought that uh that tbs did a really uh a really poor job now it's tbs and so they're you know based in atlanta i'm i'm sure that the people who are uh i would have a pretty strong hunch that the people who are managing that truck uh, that production truck for the game last night are people who do an awful lot of uh, atlanta braves games and That's a good uh, point. and and so you know, I bet even uh, Heidi Watney, who was there for MLB Network, tweeted out something about like, how cool is this? Like, what they're doing with the, with with the the tomahawk chop and lowering the lights and people turning on their cell phones. I'm like, uh, I mean, come on, like, do you not see it? But I don't think that, you know, I don't think they do. The other thing that you really notice when they do the pan of the crowd, I think maybe more so, you know. It's hard to find a non-white face in the crowd in Atlanta, which considering what that city is, yeah, um, you know, and where they have placed that ballpark. Um, well, they call it White Flight Stadium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's interesting, too, because um, I, I, I tweeted last night about the idea that I think Freddie Freeman is the person who could get that to stop. And I think that a person who has as much sway, as much uh, uh, influence uh, in that market um, is a person who could say, you know what, we need to stop this. Now, I don't know whether or not if he would or not, but he does seem like a very, you know, upstanding, decent, good person. And there's this part of me, I think I had the same feeling with... um, Francisco Lindor in uh, in Cleveland uh, at that point was to say, you know, if if uh, if Lindor had said, you know, we need to 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 make the change, it would have happened sooner. But, you know, the fact that um, the fact that in Atlanta they're really pushing into this in the way that that they are at this point, I I think it's gone a different way. Um, not to get overly political about this, but I think uh, it's certainly. Um, for uh, for those elements of that fan base, I, I, I think um, coming through the four years of Trump's America have kind of reinforced the fact that they don't need to make apologies for uh, for for the the chop or anything. And I do feel like it it has gotten worse over the last few years, whereas I I thought it was maybe starting to recede a bit. So yeah, no, it's 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 a shame, and hopefully we won't have to be uh subject to that for too much longer and and it's also kind of disappointing i guess it's it's how the playoff works playoffs work but like uh la they they won the wild card they won 105 games or whatever it was and they're they're not the home team in this series so yeah yeah i was and i was surprised by that and i think that there are things that are really sort of simple like it's funny because baseball always tries to you know um tries to 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 lean towards the most uh difficult amendments um to to uh, improving the game as opposed as opposed to to taking the the most obvious ones um i you know i think i think reseeding the teams even at the at the divisional series um uh level you know uh 
as opposed to uh, I, I think it would have been far better to see a seven game Giants Dodgers oh, yeah. uh, series as opposed to a five game one and uh, the idea that um, uh, no I mean I guess the, the the counter argument is that well that is you know what makes the regular season that much more valuable and and that it's important to to win the, the uh, to win the division but um yeah, it was it was a little weird to see you know a, a team that won in the hundreds uh, being the visitors to a team that won in the eighties. Uh, so yeah, um, yes, uh, it, it's going to change next year though because I imagine that they're going to uh, expand the playoffs, which I I don't want to want to see that. I, I think that the way it is now is is totally fine. Um, but looking ahead to next year, um, what do you think the Jays? need to do it like it seems like the consensus is that they're um and I, i'm kind of i've kind of come around to this as well as like they need to focus on re-signing like Semyon over over ray because i think the, the two of them are both going to want long-term deals and it's it's much more of a sure bet to to sign Semyon as opposed to signing a, any pitcher for that age for a, over long term but other than than that what do you what, what do you think they need to focus on i mean I, so I and I, I I agree. I think that Semyon is probably the one that if they were really to uh, to to lean in um, on on it, he would be the guy that they would need to do. I I, I was I went and I took a look at the top salaries in uh, in MLB just to kind of remind myself, you know, of what the top players are getting paid because I do hear people and they'll sort of say, well, what if we gave like Semyon, you know four and 22 or whatever i'm like you you know no no you're not going to get this guy signed by making him like the 57th highest paid player in mlb like we're talking up in the 26 to 30 million dollar range for him uh so uh and probably six years um but uh, you know, a guy who uh, is durable, is in great shape, uh, seems to have like the right mental disposition that you could imagine that, you know, six years down the road, he would be the right guy. Um, there's going to be a lot of competition for him. So I, I think what I've kind of come down to is the idea that they should sign Simeon, um, the, that they are more likely to be able to sign Ray. Because I do think that there's a, at least enough red flags that will um, that will haul down uh, Ray's value. Uh, the teams that need him the most um, are teams that don't necessarily have the capability of signing Ray. Uh, you know, he the the Los Angeles Angels need uh, need Robbie Ray. Uh, I think more than anything, but you know they're at a point now where they've got to try to uh, to to deal with. Um, the number of contracts that they have, uh, you know, they have uh, uh, Justin Upton who is making $28 million um, in left field at this point, you know, on top of, um, uh, on top of trout, you know, who's worth it. And then having to make sure that they have the capability of keeping Otani there. And uh, so um, in terms of the Jays, you know, I, I think, I, I think, um, adding, uh, adding an, or maintaining or keeping an, an arm that can be a top three for them, uh, I think is important. I think uh, possibly if they're going to really spend on pitching, I, I, I would go along with some of the growing consensus that they should be looking at locking up Barrios. Uh, 
uh, long term and then you know to see what sort of value there is that they can get and and to possibly have a guy who they think is going to be sort of a a three or four to slot in behind Burrios, Manoa, Ryu, um, who could potentially give them more value uh, than that. And then, you know, if Nate Pearson comes in and is sort of, you know, you walk into the season with a notion that he might be your fifth starter and, um, and they've got, they've got work to do in the bullpen. But um, again, it comes back to, to that idea. I, I, I think, it's funny because people have talked about what went wrong and it's sort of taken as this either moral or intellectual deficiency of the Blue Jays that they didn't do enough on their, uh, to build their bullpen last year. And I think that the challenge of managing a bullpen within the 40 man roster is, is something that I don't think teams have totally grappled with. And if you get, three, four, five injuries the way that the Blue Jays did before May. Uh, it, it takes a lot to dig yourself out of that. And they did a, they, they did a, an amazing job at that, considering also the, 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 the outside factors, like where they didn't have a home ballpark for, you know, two thirds of the, of the season. So that, you know, um, and, and I, and people all like dump on Charlie Montoyo all the, all the time, but I think that he did a, a great job. And by the way, it's, it's his birthday today, apparently. I, <laughs> I saw that. Happy birthday to uh, former Ottawa Lynx. Charlie yeah, I saw Mott. the picture there. I, I, I realized I probably saw him uh, back in the day at one of the Lynx, like 1993, like early games there, but never realized it. <laughs> yeah, there's a great card with him, which I don't know if you're a sneakerhead at all, but he was wearing these Converse Cons cleats, which I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, and um, Charlie... Uh, like I almost, I've, I got to the point where I stopped even discussing Montoya just because, uh, you know, on, on Twitter, I stopped just because it turned my, um, turned my feed into such a flaming garbage heap afterwards. It was, it was, it got, it got pretty toxic whenever there was a so-called bad move or something that went wrong for the Jays. Like it, it, it it's hard to look at Blue Jays Twitters after, after loss, losses. And- yeah, and even people who I, I, I would have thought would have been, um, uh, you know, people who I followed for a while who I just sort of said, you know, I, I can't do it anymore. I can't, you know, like I, I try to to make sure that I've got um, a, a a Twitter feed that um, uh, isn't uh, toxic and, and, you know, just the the – I, th- there are two things in my life that I really uh, hold dear to, and it's the idea that, you know, um, wit is better than sarcasm and uh, that uh, uh, that um, that cynicism is not wisdom. And uh, I think seeing a lot of cynical sarcasm uh, about Charlie uh, throughout the year, uh, I, it's 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 easy and it's kind of dumb and and i think that we don't even have the 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 first appreciation of what it was that his real job was um and it was as much as anything trying to keep things really even keel so um you know it, it, it's funny in an age where ted lasso is such a sort of cultural hit, hit that you know i i really do see um Montoyo is kind of a Ted Lasso character uh, <laughs> a, 
a person who's sort of unremittingly um, uh, positive, a person who's come through personal tra tragedy and turned that into, uh, you know, a, a strength that's built on uh, kindness. Um, I, maybe you can point to the fact that he maybe believes in some of his players, especially his pitchers, a little longer than he should. And maybe that's uh, uh, maybe that's the, the flaw of that sort of kindness. But uh, I also think that uh, I I think that you can, people have been willing to point to here are the five to ten games that Charlie cost us last year, and it's like okay, well, which of the ninety-one wins do you think? Um, uh, he helped to contribute to because I think that that's you know if you start from the perspective that that uh, Charlie is only there to cost them games and does nothing to help them win games then there's no way that he will ever uh, be able to to satisfy people and that was the same with Gibby it was the same with Cito it's the same with every manager you know um, uh, uh, Brett Boone uh, now uh, or Brett Boone Aaron Boone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Aaron Boone uh, is uh, the the same. Um, you know, there's a uh, Mike Schilt. Uh, now we're seeing like you know managers across uh, baseball. That's part of what they're there for is to kind of be the dog that that uh, fans kick when they're uh, upset with the team. But um, I, I I do think that. Uh, you know, I I would I would uh, support the Blue Jays bringing uh, Charlie back, and I get the sense that they will, but I don't think that that's necessarily a hundred percent at this point. So I, I thought yeah. maybe they well they at least for the coaching staff they're going to bring them back, but I think I think when it comes to like all the negativeness towards uh, Charlie Montoya, I think a lot of it has to do with people just trying to like prove that they know a lot about baseball online. It's just kind of like look at me, I'm smart. And like at this, like the what they don't realize is that unless he's lost the, the 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 players, like he he has the support of management. Like they 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 all are on the same page as far as strategies. You know, like they're in, in a certain situation, they they know what he has on on the on the table as, as far as what his options are. Like you know, take a picture out, do this, do that. But like he he has their support and. Uh, there's no reason to think why that he's lost uh, management support, and unless management changes or he's lost the room, he's going to stay. Yeah, and and you know it's an interesting thing too that there's a lot of managers who uh, you know Charlie managed a ton in the in the minor leagues. If you ever look at his minor league uh, uh, managing career, he had a tremendous minor league managing career. But the game moves a little bit faster uh, in uh, in the big leagues, um, and I I think that he's a better man. He was a better manager this year than he was in his first year, and then he was last year. Uh, and I think that's just you know it's like any other skill. You know I I think some of these things get um, developed uh, just with uh, with uh, some time. Um, so, and the other thing too, though, like like you say, I mean, it, it is, uh, they've made a point about how all of this stuff is a process. It's not just, you know, he is not um, sort of the, the, uh, the emperor who is uh, making all these choices. Like he's got a whole bunch of inputs from, uh, you know, here's who's available, here's who's not. And there's a bunch of that stuff that we don't necessarily know. Um, 
and the role of the managers, I think, is really uh, has really changed, and they are far more communicators than they are um, uh, analysts or strategists. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, and not to be kind of overly woke about it, but um, you know. I, I put something up on uh, on Twitter. I put a poll up at a certain point asking people, you know, who should uh, who should the Blue Jays bring back next year? And you know, the white Anglo coaches, people are really happy to bring back because they think that they provide a lot of value. And somehow, uh, uh, Charlie and um, uh, and um, uh, I was about to call him Luis Rojas, but uh, sorry, Rivera. Uh, Lu- Luis Rivera. Uh, are the two that are least likely to be welcome back. And, you know, um, what, I, 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 Rivera even like, I, I don't understand like wh- why they, they would pick on a, on a base coach. Well, I, I, I think next to the manager in terms of the person who's sort of, you know, on the seat in the dunk tank, I mean, the third base coach, you know, if a guy gets thrown out or doesn't score the run, like it's kind of a, a thing where everybody, to your point, like everybody thinks that they're smarter than the uh, than the third base coach, especially when they get the chance to see six replays from five different camera angles and can say you know if you look at where the guy was when he got the ball and whatever mm-hmm. it's like okay well do you want to try to do that when you're standing on the field as it's happening um and that's you know, not that's that's not all that they're doing either like i i, I was um I remember, I remember your tweet i was going to respond to it but i was t- it took me too long to 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 do a a a, a, a gif image of of, of 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 the tip of the iceberg because all like the the base coaching that they do is just the tip of the iceberg. They 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 do they they coach defense. They do a lot more than just than just sending someone. Yeah, and and, and he is known, I think, to be a, a really good um, to be a really good uh, uh, infield uh, defense coach. And uh, you know, uh, so people can sort of throw their hands up in the air if someone you know gets thrown out at home plate or doesn't uh, score the run. But you know. Um, what, uh, do people think that Vlad, uh, turned into, you know, from one of the worst fielders in baseball to like a very, very respectable first baseman, um, uh, who made some extraordinary plays and I think has shown uh, the sort of growth where you can, uh, where you can assume, uh, that he'll, uh, move forward. Um, so and 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 does uh, does Rivera get some credit for that? So I think he probably does. He should, and 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 not to mention Bo Bichette's like improvement on on defense throughout the year as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and uh, like it's it's the thing that you know. I mean, baseball is hard. Uh, uh, I, you know, I think the the. I think that there's people who who make it look easy and um and Bo has you know Bo is, has got these skills that he's still refining and he is still so young and he probably you know if you take a look at the way that a lot of other prospects sort of move through the system he probably should have been like just coming up this year or maybe like with a view towards coming up next year in terms of developing so you know he's he's been getting better um uh you know 
he and Vladi are are still working towards their peaks, and I guess that's probably the thing that should give us the most, um, you know, the most hope for the next couple of years is the fact that, you know, what Bo was able to do uh, with a really ramshackle uh, plate approach and uh, and a still developing uh, still developing in the field. I mean, I like I. I think Bo is a guy who, who, there, there's a, there's another level to him, and and I think it's going to be really cool to see him get to that ne- next level. And 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 I think he's the sort of guy with the mentality that he can do it too. Like he's a you know a, a guy who. Uh, I remember reading an, uh, an interview with him in Baseball America back when he was like 19 and him talking about um, what he learned from tennis in terms of uh, footwork. And I'm, I'm obsessed with footwork, both in, you know, for, for hitters and for fielders. And so I think he's a guy who's really thoughtful about, you know, the craft of playing baseball. And so that's, that's something where I think that uh, you are going to see him take the next steps and uh and uh, not literally just, yeah yeah <laughs> exactly uh, walked into that one uh. <laughs> well hopefully we'll see more walks from from Bo in the future but i, I you know his his approach has been at the plate has, has just been almost miraculous considering like it's i think the uh, like he's always down like two strikes before he even hit, hits reaches the plate but uh yeah I, 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 let's just i guess maybe end this off just with with the hope of of next year because i definitely like this year was such a a lot of people are disappointed with with how how it finished but it was a really fun fun year uh to watch uh i I, the most fun i've had watching the jays since the 2015 uh uh bat flip year so um dal of steve thanks thanks for 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 joining us that was it's really fun to to talk about baseball and I, i say this on almost every podcast but it's uh, that we have a guest, but it's 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 just great to be able to 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 um, talk baseball with with people. <laughs> my my wife doesn't uh, appreciate it as much as 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 uh, other people do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, for sure. I, I you know I think I think it's uh, the the thing that's so uh, so brilliant about baseball uh, is the fact that uh, it is. I think as fun a sport to talk about as uh, as there is, and and I think especially too that uh, uh, I think that one of the things that over the last couple of decades that has has come up, you know, we we worked through the the phase of um, of analytics and, and you know back what they called sabermetrics at the time and whatever, and and but I think we've reached this point where people are now sort of taking a step back. And uh, questioning their own uh, perspectives on uh, on baseball, and that's the fun thing is like when you take a step back and you can kind of have that humility to say like, I'm not sure that I know why this happened. I'm not sure that I understand what is going on here, and how do I find out more? Um, and so, uh, and, and I think that that's when you can have great conversations about baseball, and uh, and that. Uh, you know, without the need to sort of come in and to fly in off the top rope and and always be like, I'm the pundit. And I know, you know, when I get people say the Blue Jays are a fourth place team, it's like, well, I just know that I don't need to continue this uh, conversation any further than that. If you can't move beyond 
or see any more nuance in their uh, 2021 season than that. For sure. And yeah, so that was definitely a, a great conversation. So Dow, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Um, thanks, Matt. Yeah, no worries. We're gonna we're gonna come right back with uh, with another conversation. We'll be joined by uh, uh, Scott Crawford from the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame in just a just a minute. So uh, yeah, uh, stick around. Um, all right, thanks. All right, thanks, Matt. That was awesome. Welcome back. Um, we are here joined uh, again uh, by Scott Crawford from the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Thanks for coming back to the show. No problem. It was great the first time, and uh, I'd love to talk to you guys anytime. Yeah, yeah. Um, now we've we're, we're the season is over. We were we were I think it was maybe back in May that we last talked. So there was there was a lot has changed since then um, with, with the Blue Jays. But in baseball especially, um, I I was kind of blindsided not blindsided, but I, I was I didn't expect to see uh, the the uh, I guess the tweet that the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame sent out that you had just inducted a, a, a long list of, in, of of inductees. Yeah, it was. Uh... You know, something we've been thinking about for a, a few months, obviously, because we need to plan everything and get things organized. And and uh, we we just thought it's a way to there's always a long list of Canadians that that no one's heard of, but are really well deserving when you dig into their past. And and that that's exactly what this group of 17 are. I mean, you, most people won't have heard of any of these or maybe just a couple of them. And but once you start reading their stories, you see how detailed they were and how how valuable they were to the history of baseball in this country. Definitely, most definitely. Um, how would what was the process to nominate and induct all these players? Like I know normally, um, anybody in the public can just send in a nomination for uh, a player to to the to the committee. But uh, was, is that the same case, or did you have like a kind of like a historical kind of uh, panel to 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 nominate them? Yeah, this was sort of a special one-time thing. We a couple of the top historians in the country brought to our attention that this that. You know, there are a lot of people that that just haven't been uh, honored yet from the history of the game. And and our board of directors was kind of uh, looking, not looking for something, but but like the idea of, of getting us uh, back in the news um, and being quiet. We haven't held our traditional induction ceremony the last two years. Uh, and um, so we're really trying to, you know, do two things. One, one, keep in the news and, and have some big events and also to honor, honor this group of people that were brought to our attention. Yeah, and and I'm I'm a big baseball history uh, nerd and and, and nut. Uh, it seems like um, there's there's just never-ending stories uh, coming out of, out of, out of baseball. Um, were there any particular nominees or inductees that kind of stood out for you specifically? Yeah, I mean, there's some that you know that you know didn't really know, like Ernie Ernie Quigley, the umpire from New Brunswick. I mean, he he's umpired over three thousand baseball games. But he did it a hundred years ago, so no one no one really knew. And he included he was the um, one of the umpires in the nineteen nineteen Black Sox World Series, oh, which yeah. was which was kind of cool. And obviously, I've heard about that World Series forever, but it was just recently that we realized that uh, you know one of the umps was a Canadian guy, and he, he wasn't like he was a rookie umpire. He'd done thousands of games in big league baseball, so that's that's a really cool story to hear more about and learn about. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for me, um, I, I noticed that. Um, I forget. I have to check, double check her name here. But uh, one one of the inductees was uh, she was in the um, in the women's uh, league when they when when they started that up during the war. Uh, oh yeah, Helen Helen uh, Ken Candale Saint Aubin. Um, yeah, I guess. And 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 it was her son that made the documentary about a league of their own, um, which inspired the movie. Which yes. and, 
and and I guess they're doing a TV show about that too. But but uh, that's I think my all time favorite baseball movie is A League of Their Own. Um, so that that's interesting for sure. It is, and and she was. I mean, we inducted all the Canadian women back in 1998 because there were 68 ladies from Canada that played in that league. Oh wow, I didn't girls league. Yeah, and so they just uh, the committee thought about Helen and. And you look at her great career. She played six years, but she was one of the best players in the league for the six years. She stole over 400 bases and just over 400 games. So uh, that's that's like Tim Raines speed she yeah. had. And and uh, and her son, uh, I mean, her, her son uh, played in the big leagues and is the uh, manager with the Buffalo Bisons of the Blue Jays AAA team. So it's pretty. I didn't, even, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's Casey Kendall's her one son. So it's a lot of a uh, lot of connections for uh for helen in baseball and and she was she was born in british columbia and and uh had a great uh career do you know uh, well here kind of off off topic do you know like how the they selected the canadian women to go into the into the league was it just a matter of just scouting or, or did they did they have like a, a training camp like what do you know how that worked yeah i mean it was basically they sent people up like they do these days there was a there were scouts i mean uh wrigley who owned the cubs wanted to start the league and he needed, you know, hundreds and hundreds of women to play in the league, obviously. And and a lot of the ladies uh, were from Saskatchewan. Uh, about okay. half of the ladies from Canada came from Saskatchewan, which made sense because they, they sort of went north into Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and tried to find some women who had some baseball talent and and brought them south to the uh, to play in the league. We need to see a, a Canadian sequel for the for the for the league of their own. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Um... Uh, when is the induction ceremony and, and how, how like what, what's, what's going to happen? What should we expect? Yeah, it's going to be on November 16th uh, in the evening and it's going to be all online and virtual again because of the pandemic. And, you know, we can't have big groups obviously around and yeah, and yeah. Uh, whatnot. So it's all going to be held online and uh, you can just check our website for how to get access to it. It's a free event. So we hope, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people listen up that night and it's we're going to, you know, we're, we're not necessarily going to sit there and read all 17 bios and, you know, that just gets really long and, and tedious, but we're going to, we're going to highlight everyone, you know, we're going to give them the top highlights of each people. We're going to have some of the uh, descendants of some of the inductees on the, on the video call to sort of talk about their, their mom or their dad in this case, either or, um, and talk about just how great their career was, what it would meant to them. Cause all these people of course have passed away. So it's either their children or their grandchildren going to be going to be talking about them. Yeah, I was reading down the list. I was like, I was hoping to see maybe one of them might be still be still alive, so they could kind of represent themselves at the, at the induction ceremonies. And there, there were some 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 close some close ones, but but yeah, sadly everybody has passed away on the list. Yeah, a few of them. I mean, like like you're right. Um, uh, Vern Handerhan just died a few years ago, and and a couple others. But it was. I mean, this list is really a lot. Of, it's it, the main goal was the historic aspect. You look at a lot of these players; they played a long, long time ago. Um, and their stories are sort of forgotten and they shouldn't be. And, and this allows us to uh, bring, bring to light 17 new stories or that people might have forgotten. Definitely. Um, now, you, uh, I think I, I saw online that the, the next, uh, for the modern day players, the next induction ceremony is going to be in 2022. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, well, the first part of that is we're going to induct our 2020 class, which we haven't hmm. done yet. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was uh, in February 2020, we announced our inductees, Justin Morrow, right. Dwayne Ward, John Olerud, and Jacques Doucette. And then in March, of course, the whole world shut down. And, and obviously, we've been dealing with the pandemic since since March 2020. And mm -hmm. so we haven't actually honored the four guys yet that we announced in February 2020. 
So we're going to obviously induct them uh, here in St. Mary's uh, June 18th that year. And our selection committee will uh, take place. Our regular selection committee will take part this this over the wintertime and uh, pick a couple or whatever they pick. There's no limit, of course, but pick yep. uh, the new 2022 class. And we'll have so we'll honor the 2020 class in June and we'll honor the 2022 class in June, all on the same date in uh, in here in St. Mary's. Um, what what does induction day look like and feel like uh, uh, at, at the baseball Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame? It's it's awesome. I mean, I'm biased because, you know, I run it and work it and make it happen. But, <laughs> um, it's it's outdoors. It's uh, we set up a large tent. There's usually a thousand people or more here. And it's it's just it's just a baseball ceremony. There's tons of celebrities that come back or alumni that come back and and past inductees and family members and future induct possible inductees or ball players that aren't playing right now um there's a ceremony there's ball games going on there's museum tours there's uh, autograph session after the ceremony um it's just a it's a free event to attend and uh it's just a great baseball day of of talking i mean so many of our celebrities and inductees just want to talk with the fans they're not hiding away in the corner you can't get to them i mean the pat hankins and the tom hankies of the world would would rather be out talking to the Joe public of the world than, than hiding in their, our VIP tent that we have for them. So, uh, <laughs> for which sure. is great, which is great. Cause I mean, that's what we want. We want the fans want to interact with Hanky and Hankin and others. And, and we want them if they're comfortable to be out there talking with the fans. I, th- I think that, that um, I was just ta- telling this uh, on the podcast to, to, to Dow Steve, like baseball is such a, a, a great conversational sport. Like there's so much things that you can talk about. Um, you know, there, there, there's endless, endless things to talk about because the, the, the possibilities on the field are, are just endless for sure. Um, speaking of on the field though, uh, I, I did notice you, you mentioned like there's going to be baseball games played. What kind of ball games is it going to be like just kind of local, uh, little league teams or what, what, what kind of games are, are going to be? Yeah, played? on induction weekend, we always try to have the best, the best sort of best amateur games. We we're home to the Canadian premier baseball league, uh, teams. Here they play every weekend here. So the Ontario Nationals play their home games here, and okay. and uh, so they they'll, they'll play here that weekend, um, just like they do every weekend. But we'll, again, we'll make sure this the weekend's full of top quality games, and and as part of the day, you, you know they'll start early in the morning, so you get here before the ceremony, you watch a ball game or go to the museum tour, and and then you watch the ceremony, and then afterwards you you want an autograph, you get in line for the autographs, or you want to watch more ball or go get some food, you do that, and it's just a, a, a great day, all aspects of baseball. Nice. Um, speaking of, of teams, uh, you, you nominated an entire team uh, <laughs> amongst them. And um, I guess I didn't realize this, but Tecumseh Park, also known as Labatt Park, is the world's oldest continuous use ballpark. Um, and I think a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, Rob Manfred said that they wanted to have more Field of Dreams type games. Do you think that it could happen at, at Labatt Park? <laughs> I, that would be awesome. I mean, Labatt Park Baseball Canada did a survey probably five years ago now or more that was, you know, named the best park in Canada, and uh, Labatt Park won that. I would agree. I mean, I we have four ball fields here at the Hall of Fame, but uh, I will say every day of the week that Labatt Park is still the nicest park in Canada that uh, that I've come across, and um, it's it's it would be the perk venue. I mean, it's 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 a big city. It's got an airport. It's got lots of hotels. Like it's got lots of space. You know. Obviously, I want Major League Baseball to bring a game to us, but 
small town St. Mary's with, uh, you know, we don't have the amenities that a big city like London would have. So, um, well, we, don't, don't, don't discount yourself because they, the Iowa, Dyersville, Iowa is even smaller than St. Mary's, I think. <laughs> uh, that, that's true. That's true. They, they, they had that field of dreams, uh, lead on us though. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that'd be totally cool to see Labatt Park. I mean, it's, it's the oldest continuous used park in North America. It's a beautiful park and, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's it's right in the middle between Toronto and Detroit, basically two hours each place, right? So um, it's it's a great location. Yeah, I think I saw a tweet saying that should be the game. Like Toronto and Detroit should should play play that game. That and would Detroit's- be that would be crazy because again, two hours each place, easy easy attendance, easy publicity. It would be awesome. For sure, yeah. Um, museum, what do you have a favorite exhibit at the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame? Yeah, I, I guess I have. Can I name two? I think I got two right oh, now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, really one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, one would be, of course, uh, the Babe Ruth bat in baseball. We have their autographed uh, game used bat and an autographed baseball. Um, everyone knows Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth is the king of baseball in my mind. You know, the greatest home run hitter ever. I know he's now not number one, but um, he still was sort of the first guy to start crushing the home runs. And uh, so we have that. And also, oh, of course, as a Blue Jay fan, you know, there's no bigger hit in the world than what Joe Carter did in 93. And, and we have the home plate and Joe's batting helmet from that home run that won the world series. So it's, uh, it's, you know, you can win the, get the game winning hit like they did in Atlanta last night, but that wasn't winning the world series. And, um, yeah. you know, Joe Carter won the world series on a, on a home run. And, and we got two of the items from that game. How did you, how did you get those items? Yeah. Is, uh, uh, Paul Beeston, who was president of the Jays gave us the plate when uh, he was inducted in 2002 and then Joe was inducted in 2003 and he, uh, he gave us his batting helmet that year. Oh, cool. Very cool. Um, now, did you get any items from this year's season? Uh, we will be. The Jays are currently organizing their stuff. We, uh, I keep in contact with them almost weekly on records that, you know, either Vladimir Guerrero who was born in Montreal or Jordan Romano, of course, a Toronto fella. Um, yep. played and had great seasons, obviously, and and set some Canadian records and set some Blue Jay records. And um, so every time that something happened with those two guys, I was emailing them and, and getting them and they were putting some stuff aside. But I, I don't know what we're getting yet, but they said, you know, they'll get to us, you know, before the end of the year with with some items. So it's I can't wait. Have you have you asked for the home run jacket? <laughs> I, as soon as I saw there were two of them, which yeah. I, I blew me away when I saw two of them in the dugout one day, I. I uh, I definitely think one of them belongs to us and but <laughs> or should belong to us I should say because yeah. obviously they belong to the Jays but um, I, I don't know I I would they should, that would I mean, be a great uh, great thing for us to put the, yeah right at the front door of our museum the first thing you see yeah. when you walk in is this home run jacket which became very popular and I think they led the league in home runs so they uh, they, yeah. they work quite a bit yeah put they should maybe put it on loan in the off season keep it keep it uh keep it at the canadian Ball, baseball hall of fame you guys can keep it warm um yep. and, and yeah and and uh and then give it back at, at the rate at the beginning of the next season exactly exactly especially they got two of them now they don't need two of them so yeah. we can would, we can definitely keep one would you be tempted to try it on um no comment <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um i guess I, I was reading online that there's only one canadian left in the playoffs now nick pavetta yeah, he's uh, from Victoria, B.C., and, of course, pitches for Boston. He was a starting pitcher all season for them, um, but he pitched out of the bullpen last round and, and did very well. He ate and two-thirds and 11 strikeouts and 
uh, got the win in that last exciting game for the for the Red Sox. But um, hopefully he starts. I mean, he's he should be starting game three or four, you would think, because uh, Sale and Ivaldi started the first two for Boston. And he had a great year. I mean, he started 30 games. He pitched 150 to 160 innings and his ERA was four and a half. So uh, it wasn't fantastic, but it wasn't terrible. And um, but he was their main guy. He started 30 games for them. So hopefully he gets a start. And there's only been, you know, a handful of Canadians have started a game in the playoffs. So it would be important to, to us for him to have a start. Yeah. Um, who who are you rooting for now that there's no uh, Blue Jays in the playoffs? Well, uh, it's, uh, I, because of Nick, I'm I'm cheering for Nick <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and the Red Sox. But um, you know, because again, I want to see some Canadians in the World Series. That's that's always cool. Grabs more interest for us and for Canadian baseball. Cause that's what we're all about is promoting Canadian baseball and seeing Canadians do well. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be tough. I mean. Houston has some pitching problems now, so so Boston might have the upper advantage on this series. And L.A. and Atlanta, uh, you know, uh, L.A. seems like the powerhouse, but uh, that's going to be a good long series too. So we'll yeah, I think see. it'll be long, but I think I think L.A. is going to going to prevail in that series. We just yesterday was a last night was a bullpen game, so you know that that can happen with the bullpen is is you know like one run will score but so they they definitely need, their offense needs to to pick it up a bit and they've got i think Scherzer starting in game 2 so that'll that'll yeah. be a different story yeah. yeah yeah um yeah so that that was a great great talk um i i am going to my my i was talking to my wife last night the plan is uh we we we're going to definitely try to make a visit uh to uh St. Mary's and, and just visit the Hall of Fame. I don't think that I can get the kids to sit through all those speeches though on <laughs> in, on induction day, but uh um it's it's uh, definitely uh, I think uh within the realms of, of possibility especially with kids getting vaccinated uh in the in the near future I hope. Um so yeah. I think we're going to make that trip up this summer to to St. Mary's. Great. Come uh, see us. Normally we open beginning of May and you know an open all baseball season, but only time will tell when we open the doors and and go from there. So yeah. Well, Scott Crawford, uh, thanks again for joining us. It's always nice to talk baseball and baseball history in the, in the Hall of Fame with you. Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, we, we love talking. We love promoting the Hall of Fame and most importantly, promoting Canadian baseball and, and the vast history of it that that we, we share with everyone. So give us a be, we'll be on any time. Just give us a shout. For sure. I definitely learned a lot about the Canadian baseball history this week. For sure. All right. Thanks again. Thank you. All right, and that's our show. Thanks again to Dow of Steve and Scott Crawford for joining me today. Uh, next week, Steve should be back, um, so it should be uh, a full a full hour of us talking about our opinions of baseball and back to the regular show. So that should be fun. So uh, until then, uh, enjoy the playoff baseball. Um, I certainly will be. Uh, Crystal will be putting up with uh, my enjoyment of the game, but hey, that's how it works. Anyways, have a good week. Bye bye.